Hello everyone, I'm Alex Shopov, a partner in our securitization group and I lead our ESG structured finance team. I'm joined by my colleague George Giddeham. George is also a securitization lawyer, but what brings us here today is our shared interest of all things ESG and in particular uh, the forthcoming and landscape shifting EU green bond regulation. George, perhaps you can start by giving us a bit of a background. Sure. So uh, the member states of the European Union, like, like governments all around the world, are keen to move towards a more sustainable economic model. Uh, and they have a number of initiatives to help make this goal a reality. And as part of this broader push, the EU is keen to encourage private finance, including the capital markets, to help fund this transition. Uh, and with that in mind, uh, we've recently seen the final draft of a regulation as you say, commonly referred to as the EU Green Bond Regulation, uh, that will establish a single set of criteria for determining if a bond is green. Uh, and it will also ensure that investors can access the information they need to make their own determination as to the greenness of any such bond. So will this be a mandatory regime for any issuer of green bonds? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, the EU Green Bond Regulation will provide for a voluntary label but that label uh, and the specific uh, designation European Green Bond or EUGB is what the uh, label will, will, will uh, say, that label will only be permitted for use by issuers that comply with the use of proceeds and transparency requirements that are set out in the regulation. Okay, so the issue proceeds will be used to, uh, will be used for green purposes. Could you give us a bit more detail on how that will work? Sure, so uh, before final maturity of the bonds, the, the net issue proceeds, and, and I say net because it will be fine to deduct uh, issuance costs such as those relating to underwriting, legal advice, ratings and so on, those, those net issue proceeds must be fully allocated uh, according to the so-called taxonomy requirements. Uh, and these taxonomy requirements are actually set out elsewhere in the aptly named EU taxonomy regulation and they provide that for the purposes of establishing the degree to which an investment is environmentally sustainable, the economic activity financed by that investment must contribute substantially to one or more of the following environmental objectives. Those are climate change mitigation, climate change adaptation, the sustainable use and protection of water and marine resources, the transition to a circular economy, so that's things like you know, recycling more and, and wasting less, pollution uh, prevention and control, uh, and the protection and restoration of biodiversity and ecosystems. In addition, that activity, so the activity that the Green Bond has financed, must not significantly harm any of the environmental objectives that I've just mentioned. Uh, so for example, if you build a, a, a recycling plant, um, that will uh, contribute substantially towards the environmental objective of the transition to a circular economy. But if that plant uh, produces loads of effluent that's pumped into a local river, that will arguably uh, significantly harm the um, environmental ob obje objective of um, protecting uh, water and marine resources. So that would not tick that the second box that I've just mentioned. Uh, and then uh, in addition, the activity that's financed by the Green Bond must also be carried out in compliance with certain minimum safeguards relating to, to human rights uh, and so on. 
Uh, and then finally, it will have to comply with the relevant technical screening criteria, which um, are, are effectively more detailed, granular provisions on how to, to meet the taxonomy criteria. And there are going to be a, ho um, a whole array of these technical screening criteria. Um, each one will relate to a different um, uh, sector of, uh, of economic activity. So when you look at what the proceeds of the green bond are financing, you have to work out which are the applicable technical screening criteria relevant to that activity and make sure that um, the, um, the activity that, that the green bond is financing is, is complying with those criteria. Understood. And is that it? Or are there any other requirements for the use of proceeds? Uh, there are. So uh, the net proceeds must be applied towards one or more of the following. So fixed assets, capital expenditures, operating expenditures, the assets and expenditures of households or uh, financial assets. And where the issue proceeds are invested in financial assets, as is quite likely to be the case with securitizations, the proceeds of those financial assets would also have to comply with the use of proceeds requirements that, uh, that I've just listed. And I think you also mentioned some transparency requirements that would need to be complied with. What are they? So firstly, it's important to note that although there's no geographic limitation on where the issuer can be established, so in theory a non-EU issuer could issue an EU green bond, it will be a requirement that the issuer publish an approved prospectus under the EU prospectus regulation. Uh, and that may put some non-EU issuers off. In addition, the issuer will need to produce a number of reports under the EU green bond regulation itself. So these reports are, prior to issuance, an EU green bond fact sheet, which will contain information about the, the green bonds. In each 12-month period after the issue date, but before full allocation of the issue proceeds, an EU green bond allocation report. Uh, and then at least once after full allocation of the issue proceeds, an EU green bond impact report. And each of these three reports needs to be prepared on the corresponding template, and the first two, so that's the EU Green Bond uh, fact sheet and the EU Green Bond allocation report, will need to be reviewed by uh, an external reviewer. And what are these external reviewers you referred to? So these are a bit like the verification agents that we're familiar with under the EU securitization regulation. They're uh, third-party entities that will need to have some expertise in this area, and they'll be regulated by the European Securities and Markets uh, Authority. And an issuer uh, will be required to hire one of these to review the reports that it produces under the EU Green Bond Regulation so as to provide investors with some independent comfort as to the, the greenness of the bonds being issued. So having produced all of these reports and had them reviewed, presumably the issuer will need to make um, this information available to the investors? Absolutely. The prospectus, the reports that I've just referred to and the external reviews will all have to be made available for free on the issuer's website uh, and the issuer will have to notify the relevant competent authority and ESMA whenever any of these documents are published. So how is this all going to work in our favourite securitisation context? Well, the short answer is the regime should work in pretty much the same way uh, with just a few tweaks. So firstly, references in the EU Green Bond Regulation to how the issue proceeds must be used are to be read as references to the use by the originator of the proceeds of the sale of the securitised receivables to the issuer. 
So this has the perhaps slightly curious effect that a securitization backed by brown receivables could still be eligible as an EU green bond so long as the originator used the securitization proceeds in a compliant manner, for example, to originate new green receivables. Secondly, uh, although the issuer will remain responsible for producing the prospectus, the originator will need to take responsibility for fulfilling the commitments undertaken in the prospectus regarding the use of proceeds. Uh, and the prospectus itself will need to include some additional disclosures uh, relating to the greenness of the securitized receivables, which, as I've already said, may not actually be that green at all. Uh, in addition, responsibility for producing the three reports that I mentioned a moment ago will fall on the originator rather than the issuer, because the issuer obviously is, is going to be an SPV. Uh, and then finally, for securitizations that want to be eligible as EU green bonds, the securitized exposures may not comprise those financing the exploration, mining, extraction, production, processing, storage, refining, or distribution, including transportation, and trade of fossil fuels. So you know, that's not very likely to uh, be relevant on you know, many securitizations we see in practice, but I, but I do mention that for uh, completeness sake. That's very, very clear. Uh, how is it all going to be enforced? So the EU Green Bond Regulation will be enforced locally by the relevant competent authority, which in the case of issuers will be the competent authority responsible for approving the prospectus, and in the case of originators will be the competent authority under the EU Securitization Regulation. Uh, EU member states will need to ensure their competent authorities have the power to impose uh, administrative sanctions which are effective, proportionate and dissuasive. So uh, we expect the usual uh, sanctions of public censure, fines, suspension of authorizations, uh, and so on. And finally, when can we expect that this will always will start to apply? So the EU Green Bond Regulation is expected to be published in the EU official journal in the summer, or since we're already in the summer, more likely the autumn of this year. Uh, whenever it is published, uh, it will enter into force 20 days later and uh, it will begin to actually apply 12 months after entering into force. So, you know, latter half of, of next year. Thank you very much, George. And that's all from us. Until Thank you. next time. Thank you.